Good morning. Today is a special day uh, as we are honoring and celebrating our graduating seniors. Uh, we'll be presenting them with some Bibles and praying over them. And then afterward, we'll have a time uh, in this main hallway, just through these doors, um, where they'll have some, they have some display boards up, and you can come and congratulate them in person. So thank you very much for, for being here today. We're glad you're here. Um, now, as I start, I kind of have a, a confession to make. Um, I, I was traveling most of this week. I was, I was in, uh, out of state, and if, like you, my allergies have been just killing me all week long, and uh, so I really didn't have a whole lot of time to put together much for this morning. So what I thought I would do, I had an idea, I'm just going to play one of Richie's old sermons from a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, because do we really remember those anyway? I mean, come on. So, um, so in a second, if we can get the, uh, the, the slides up there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that started. So let's see. There we go. All right. Well, I can kind of hear it. Here's a verse we used last week. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. So if you weren't here last week, let me do a little bit of review. We talked about stars who were walking down the red oh, carpet. Okay. When can, you're walking down the red uh, I've, I've been told that that's not going to cut it this morning. Um, so, obviously I'm, I'm kidding, right? Obviously I'm joking, but it does inter- raise an interesting question. Have you ever found yourself unprepared? Have, have you ever found yourself in a situation and you weren't, you weren't ready? Let's take a little quiz to see just how prepared you are. The power goes out one evening. Can you right now mentally go and find the flashlight, and fresh batteries, or, or candles and matches. And a lot of times we rely on our phones, right? But can you find a radio that doesn't require being plugged in? Let's say your phone dies or your battery's low. Can you find a radio? Or you're, you're traveling across the state in your car and you get a flat. No problem, I got a spare. But when was the last time you checked your spare? How much air does it have in it? How old is it? Do you have the tools? Do you know how to, how to change that tire? Do you have a fire extinguisher in your home? If so, does everyone else in the home know where that fire extinguisher is? And, and how old is it? Do you and your family have a plan detailing where to meet if a disaster happens? If you can't meet at the house, where would you meet? It's possible we're not as prepared as we thought we were. You show up to an interview and you're asked a job-related question, but you've never really thought about it before. Or you know you need to prepare for this this big exam and you keep telling yourself, I'm going to study, I'm going to sit down and study, but things kept coming up that were more fun. Or your company has had some cutbacks and you find yourself without a job. It's possible we're not as prepared as we 
thought we were. And maybe you need to address some of those through that little quiz. Maybe you're like, oop, I'm going to take care of that. Maybe we need to address some of those things because it's important to do that to care for your family and yourself. You know, as parents, we, we try our best to prepare our children for life. And our, and our graduates, they're going out to the, on their own. We desire and hope that we have prepared them for what is to come. But even more important than, than the need to do all of that is the need to represent Christ well. So let's read a little bit about that in Ephesians chapter 6. My clicker went awry again. Let's see. Joe, do you mind playing it from the playing that from the beginning, just on the PowerPoint. I'll catch us up. There we go. All right. Ephesians 6, 19 through 20 says, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Again, in 2 Corinthians 520, it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. As important as it is to be prepared for events that may cause you harm or your family harm, it's even more important to serve as a good ambassador for Jesus, somebody who will be able to present God's appeal to others. There may be some things that we're not going to be fully prepared for. There's obviously natural disasters or, or uh, an unexpected death or illness. There's going to be some things that we're not going to be entirely prepared for. But being Christ's ambassador, that can't be one of them, right? That can't be on that list. So let's turn to 1 Peter verses, chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. But even if you should suffer... For what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Something we should do on a regular basis when we're looking at a text is to look at the, the context and the intended audience in order to get a better understanding of, of what this means and the situation that it was spoken into to find out who who is the audience what's what's going on with them or what's the situation right now and it's it's also important it's important not to interject ourselves or what it means to me at least right away let's find out what it mean meant to them first and we can do that by kind of looking at what this what these verses mean and what they what they don't mean and we'll, we'll find that out so this verse takes place in a section referring to suffering for, what is, for doing what is right. To Christians who are being uh, persecuted, they're experiencing persecution because of what they believe. Earlier in the passage, Peter tells them to be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, 
Repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Again, this is during a time when you're being persecuted. It doesn't sound like an easy time to live. It doesn't sound like a life without difficulties. And yet, Peter encourages them, just as Christ did before, of years before, of how they should respond to, to repay evil with blessing. And even when you get a chance, and you, you have a chance, and maybe the perfect zinger, and you can curse them to not do it, but to bless them instead. As I look back at, at verse 15, I also noticed a couple other things. I, I noticed that this passage, that Peter doesn't challenge us in this passage to answer every question about God and life and death or heaven or hell. The, the verse doesn't say that we need to come back with a rock-solid answer for everything that we get asked. This, this verse doesn't say we need to have a dissertation or, or some, some thesis paper we need to hand over when someone says, why do you have, oh, well, I'm glad you asked that. I have a copy of it right here. Do you think, do you think Peter's audience had those answers? Do you think they were prepared to give an answer for every single difficult question? They were probably not all that different from us that in the way that they struggled with, with questions. Questions like, why does, why does he allow this to happen? Why did this have to happen to me? We're not unique in asking those questions. Those questions have been asked for centuries. And so I'm not sure that, that Peter expected his original readers and original listeners to be able to answer every question they may get asked. But what I do read in this verse, and what this verse does tell me, is to be prepared to tell anyone the reason for the hope that you have. The New American Standard says, always be, being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's in you. And the message, which is the paraphrase of Scripture, says, be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are. Be prepared. Be ready. Not to deliver a 10-minute speech, but be prepared to share the source of your hope. Be prepared to express the grounds for your joy. That's what his challenge is for us. And, and, if, and if you're comfortable with me to do this, just I want you to let out a sigh of relief. Just, oh. okay, well, some of y'all did that. Thank you. <laughs> but... I don't know if you see the difference in that between what I was asking earlier or what I was throwing out there earlier, but for me, it's huge. That takes a lot of pressure off. I mean, I believe that we should have a working knowledge of the Bible, and what I mean by that is we should know what it says. We should be able to apply what we're reading and be spending hours and hours pouring over its pages. But I'll be the first to tell you that I don't have a rock-solid answer for every question you're going to throw at me. I think we live in fear that we'll look foolish because we may not be able to answer all those questions. 
But again, that's not what that's not what the audience that Peter is talking to. That's not what the Christ followers that, that Peter is talking to was asked to do. You know, there is there is power in being able to share why I have why I have hope. To to be able to do that, to share that can have wondrous effects on those around us. And by doing that, we can be light. This is Christ calls us to be light in Matthew 5. We can be that light in this world directing people to Jesus. Let's look again at, at 1 Peter chapter 3 and talk about how we can do that. What do we need to do? Well, as, as I read this, always be prepared to give the answer answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So it seems like first step, step one, is we need to put our hope and our joy on display to reveal our hope and joy. You've no doubt heard the phrase window shopping, right? The idea of window shopping dates back to as maybe as early as the 16th century. Can you believe that? Merchants would, would install clear glass in their storefronts to display their, their products or their designs, to, in, to entice the customers to come and buy it. They would do that to show what they had. They would do that to show why you should want what I have. People are window shopping us. Are we showing them what we have in a way that they want it to? Peter tells us that we need to be prepared to explain our hope. But if we're not living our lives in a way that displays the hope that only God can give, we can't even do that. We can't have that conversation. How can we have engaging conversations about God if we're not demonstrating that we are followers of Him? How can we have engaging uh, spiritual encounters with people if we're always looking for the negative? If we're constantly complaining or, or finding fault with others, or otherwise just, just determined to live a pessimistic life. And look, I, I, I get it. At times, things can be bad. But we've got a long-term outlook, don't we? I mean, because of Jesus, we have a different perspective on life and death and on suffering and on sickness and on everything. So, are you living a life that glorifies God? A life that puts your hope on display for everyone to see? Because if you're not, well, that's your first assignment when you leave this room today. Let's continue at the end of verse 16. It says, to do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, against your good behavior in Christ, may be ashamed of their slander. Peter is assuming that we're behaving ourselves. Not only that, he's assuming we're setting the example. Such that if someone brings an accusation against you, there's, there's no grounds for it. They have no leg to stand on. In order for people to ask about our faith, in order for people to want to know about our God, they need to see Him through the lives we're living. Window shopping. 
They will see it because we're putting our hope and our joy out there for everyone to see and because we're setting the example. We are setting the example of how Christians deal with conflict, how Christ followers deal with adversity, how we deal with disappointments, how we conduct ourselves in business dealings and in personal relationships. We're not only behaving ourselves, we are to be the trendsetters for others in the name of Christ. Because if our lives don't reveal the Lord that we worship, no one's going to notice. And no one's going to ask. And we've missed an opportunity. So first and foremost, when it comes to preparing ourselves, it's, it's possible that you may need an attitude adjustment. Or at least an attitude evaluation. Let's look at what else we can do to prepare ourselves. I'm going to, I'm going to show you a clip from Miss Teen USA 20, uh, 2007. You may have seen this before. This is the round of competition that ultimately determines their fate. A make it or break it moment. The ladies will have to demonstrate their ability to answer a thought-provoking final question. Sound simple? <laughs> Easier said than done. Especially when the whole country is watching. Here's how it works. Our panel of judges have prepared their own questions. So now, we will ask each finalist to pick the name of the judge, who will then ask a final question. Ladies, you'll have 30 seconds before you hear the sound of this bell. Good luck. We begin with South Carolina. Hello, South Carolina, please pick out the name of the judge. Thank you. Judge number five, Amy Teagarden. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps, and uh, I believe that our ed education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S., or should help South Africa, and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries, so we will be able to build up our future for our children. Thank you very much, South Carolina. Now, I don't know if anyone deserved to bless her heart, it's her. I don't know anyone else. Wow. I realize the question was a spur-of-the-moment question, but would you say she was prepared? No. I, I'm not sure how much preparation could have helped, but I, I, I did see a follow-up video later on, like the next day or so on Good Morning America, where she said, my nerves just got the best of me, and I just started spouting out gibberish. And, but sadly, that's what she's going to be remembered for, right? I don't, I don't have a clip of the Good Morning America video. I have that. I feel confident that somebody coached her to say the words like personally believe and such as. I'm not sure where South Africa kept coming into it. But, you know, brothers and sisters, we, we can't be like that. I mean, nobody wants to be like that. And perhaps it's your fear that we're going to sound a lot like that when somebody asks us a question about God. So what's going to address that fear? 
taking some steps to be prepared to give an answer. And it doesn't need to have big churchy words like propitiation or eschatology. In fact, it's probably better if it doesn't. Because it needs to come from you. It needs to come from your heart. Look, teachers plan meticulously for what's going to happen in their classrooms. Surgeons plan for each surgery, no matter how many times they've done it, because every patient is different. There's, there's a saying that goes, luck favors the prepared. And while I don't believe in luck, there is a little truth in that, because when you're prepared, you can handle when things don't happen as expected. The, the teacher that overplans their class period is equipped and ready when things don't go according to plan. The, the surgeon who knows more than just one way to solve an issue is equipped and ready when there's a hiccup during the procedure. When, when you have a plan B and a plan C in, in your back pocket, it's, it's less likely you're going to be surprised and unable to adapt. And we expect no less, right? Nobody wants a surgeon who isn't prepared for potential problems. Nobody wants a teacher who isn't prepared. Nobody wants a preacher who isn't willing to put a little forethought and prayer and thinking into what he's going to present, what his sermon is going to be. We expect those who have a job to be prepared to do it, and rightly so. So the question is, do we have the same expectations for ourselves? Do we have the same expectations of being prepared to give an answer for our hope? Because I tell you what, other people do. They may not be Christ followers, they may not believe in God, but they want to they know that you know why you believe in God. And again, they don't expect a dissertation, but they expect you to have an answer for the hope that you claim to live by. Everyone knows that the Boy Scouts' motto is what? Good, that was a test. To be prepared. Which, which would be more surprising, a Boy Scout that doesn't know how to tie a knot or a Christian that doesn't know how to explain the hope that they feel? I hope we would say the other, but we may say it'd be more surprising to find a Boy Scout who doesn't know how to tie a knot. Why is that? Well, I mean, let's look at what they have to their advantage, right? They've, they've got a manual. That manual tells them how to tie knots and, and gives them examples. And they meet on a regular basis, and they've got leaders, and they conduct lessons, and they conduct projects. I mean, if only we had a manual. If only we had examples in that manual of how to live and how to share our faith. If, if only we had leaders, and if only we, we met together regularly for classes and lessons, and uh, oh yeah, we do, right? So I, I guess our, our excuse can't be, we don't have the resources. So is it, is it complacency? Is it... Fear? Is it our desire to stay in our comfort zone? Sometimes being prepared might mean that you'll find yourself in an uncomfortable time when you have to answer that question. Listen, I, again, I get it. I've, I've been uncomfortable. There, there came a time for Katie and I to, to move, and we both knew it. We figured it wouldn't be easy, but Sometimes that just has to be done, and so, so Katie and I decided to go ahead and just do it. 
Uh, and we knew we'd be farther away from the people we knew, and we'd be farther away from, from the teams that we'd been working with. And so when we moved from this side of the auditorium to this side, it was rough. It was uncomfortable. Seriously, though, some of y'all have been sitting in the same seats for years. We might as well just put a little name placard right there, right? It's uncomfortable. If, you, if I asked one of you to move to a different seat, you'd be like, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, it's the same building, right? Same people. So yeah, you may be a little uncomfortable in situations where, where we share the reason for our hope, but you can do this. You can, you can most definitely do this. Peter tells us to be prepared. He's expecting us to have put some thought into it, to have molded over, to kind of sit down and, and spend some time thinking about why I have the hope that I do. And again, with planning, you most definitely can do this. No matter what stage of life you're in, as a Christ follower, we need to be prepared to display our hope, to, to set an example for others, to be prepared to tell others why we choose to live differently, to be prepared to take advantage of those opportunities when they're presented to us, and to be prepared to be light to the people you know and the people that you don't. God not only calls us to be prepared for Christ's return, but to share that answer for the hope that we have. So, what is your answer? What is the reason for your hope? If you can't say it at the moment, if you can't state it in two to three sentences, I have, I have some homework for you. Over lunch, I want you to think about it. And then when you get home, or if you're already home, sit down and write it out. There's, there's something about writing down something that kind of makes it more concrete, it makes it real or serious. I don't know what it is, but write it out. And if you can state the reason for your hope right now, put your hope and joy on display and get ready to share why. Let's live in a way that makes people want to know why we do what we do. Why we have hope in a world that seems to have so little. If there's anything that this congregation can do for you, if you'd like us to, to pray for you, if you'd like to meet with an elder up front or, or in the back, we invite you to come down to the front as we stand and as we sing.